0: if you are uh, under uh, adult age this morning um, there are some of these uh, sheets here for our our children. Marilyn Spagnol does just an amazing job. Every time she puts these together uh, I feel like I should just sit and fill them in and not preach, but um, I I just love what she has done with these. Um, Some of you may not have seen this, but um, there's a, this cartoon at the back. This uh, elderly lady that uh, is talking, likely to a granddaughter who uh, who has a uh, has, has a cell phone, and the uh, the grandma saying, "Wireless communication is nothing new. I've been praying for 75 years." <laughs> kind of leads into where we're uh, going this morning as we. Uh, lead up to our solemn assembly, and as Michelle has already been saying, um, it's a time for us as a a church body to gather together and just talk to God and listen and um, hear what it is that he wants to, uh, to say to us and how he wants to direct us. This morning we're going to look at uh, an aspect of prayers kind of in keeping with the deeper life um, module that we had this past weekend and the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, to us. I'm going to talk about a topic that we don't often talk about. At least I haven't heard a lot of talk about it in, in, in church in a formal way of, of how the Spirit intercedes and in, is in, involved in, with us in, in our praying. And so we want to kind of Dive into that uh, here today and um, learn together. So if you have your Bibles with you or are they on your devices, uh, we're going to look, look at a couple of passages specifically from Romans chapter 8, uh, 26 and 27. But I'm going to uh, just kind of unpack a little bit before we get to those verses as uh, we learn together uh, what it is that uh, the Holy Spirit can, how he can help us, guide us in our um, in our praying. Uh, Ravi Zacharias tells of attending a conference for itinerant evangelists where a renowned Korean speaker, uh, Billy Kim, told the story of, of an American soldier hiding in a bunker during the Korean War. When his commander ordered him to rescue some of his fallen mates on the front lines, the soldier nodded his head, took a covert glance at his watch, stalled till his commanding officer was out of sight and then simply sat there, made no move at all. Several minutes went by and a colleague reminded him of his rescue assignment. Again, he looked at his watch and delayed. Finally, he leaped out of the bunker and fearlessly began carrying his companions to safety. At the end of the day, a friend asked him to explain his actions and the soldier said, "I I was afraid because I knew I was not ready to die. I waited until my fear would be overcome, remembering that at a certain time, every hour, my mother had said that she would pray for me. Then I knew that no matter what awaited me, I could face it. Many of us have found courage, hope, and direction, I'm sure, in our lives because of the prayers of our mothers. The truth is that if it were not for the prayers of loving and faithful mothers, our lives very well may have turned out a lot differently. Not only do mothers pray for us, but it is also likely true for many of us that we learn to pray with the help of our mothers. So one has to wonder by the prayers of these children just what was going through their minds while their mothers were teaching them. Jane prays, Dear God, Instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? (laughs) Neil, dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? Joyce writes, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. (laughs) And Larry writes, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. And finally, Elliot, dear God, I think about you sometimes, even when I'm not praying. When it comes to knowing how to pray and what to pray for, God has not left us alone without a teacher. The Holy Spirit gives guidance in bringing powerful prayers to God. God is very interested in making prayer a life-changing experience for us. And so the Apostle Paul instructs us to rely on the Spirit of God to carry us along in our times of prayer and to breathe hope into our expectations for God to hear an answer. And so the Apostle writes this instruction to us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Paul presents the truth that the Holy Spirit leads and guides and empowers prayers that make a difference. We are guided into powerful praying by learning to rely on the Spirit for His intervention in our lives. It is therefore crucial to understand the work of the Holy Spirit as an intercessor on our behalf. Now, great care must always be taken when looking at a portion of Scripture, not to take what is said out of the context in which it is written. So let me give a little more context to the scripture verses that I want to look at with you further here today. This will help you see how the apostle led up to his conclusions and why he introduced the scripture that I want us to focus on in verses 26 and 27 of Romans 8 with the words in the same way. Now Paul has been writing here just before these verses that we are looking at about suffering for his faith and how this is a regular occurrence for everyone who decides to follow Jesus. It is all a part of the learning process to endure hard times in the same way that Jesus did. And in actuality legitimizes our place as a member of God's household. However, the Christ life is not just about hard times and suffering. There is a huge upside to being a Christ follower. And so the Apostle Paul writes in verses 18 and 19 of Romans chapter 8, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. And so the full extent of the benefits we enjoy now as children of God will become a reality when we come into the eternal presence of God in heaven. However, for any who have committed themselves to living out the values and priorities of Jesus, even now, good times can replace the bad and hope can overcome despair. Paul points to the time when all evil and suffering and heartache will be eliminated by a total remake of all creation. And so again, he writes, Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Now, Paul states, all creation is in bondage to death and decay. Something totally unnatural has brought about this condition, which can only be reversed by the supernatural. And so, before global warming and greenhouse gases and the carbon tax, the Apostle Paul raised the issue of environmental pollution. He spoke to the nature, the matter of the whole world, crying out for release and renewal. It is this state of desperation, uh, desperation, in this state of desperation, rather, God can and will be found. However, at some point, God will say enough, and what were dead and dying will be replaced and renewed. Creation will not be annihilated, like so many of the futuristic movies depict. Rather, it will be renewed. God is into renewal, not obliteration. And so Paul likens the earth in its quest for renewal to a pregnant mother ready to give birth. Just as a mother suffers through the pains of labor with the hope of birthing a healthy baby at the end of her pain, so all creation groans in anticipation of the day when the new birth that the Spirit of God brings to the lives of those who have surrendered to God's purposes will culminate in their glorious Eugene Peterson explains these events in this way in the message. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. That is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. Now, any pregnant mother that I've been around grows in impatience the closer the due date comes for delivery. When our daughter-in-law was pregnant with her second child, everyone was telling her that she would for sure give birth before her due date because she had been five weeks early with their first child. And so when her due date came and went, and she was still large with child, she was quite anxious to have the birthing experience over and would cringe every time someone said to her, Are you still here? Why do people say dumb things to pregnant mothers? So what Paul is saying here is that just as the whole earth can't wait for God to complete his plan and purpose for renewal, so all who understand that God is working out his plan in their lives personally can't wait for him to complete his work. But in the meantime, there is a lot of life to deal with. So how are we helped in facing the realities of heartache and pain and disappointment? Well, the Holy Spirit becomes for us the source of comfort, assurance, hope, deliverance. He enables us to eagerly expect God to come through for us in life change experience. That's what Paul is addressing when he says, in the same way. That is, just as pregnant mothers look to give birth and creation groans to be released, so those who belong to God anticipate the Spirit working in their lives to deliver them from their weaknesses. The Holy Spirit helps us in our deepest needs. The Holy Spirit knows us. He knows everything there is to know about us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our names. Now my parents had six children. There were two girls and four boys. And as you would expect, things around the house got quite lively. Often, we would chase one another through the house, a house that my father had built, actually, which was designed in, in, in such a way that we could race in circles through the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, hallway, bedroom, and back around again. Naturally, we weren't supposed to do this. But like all true descendants of Adam and Eve, we were wired to disobey. And so we would run. And Mom would call out to us to Stop. And this was when having several brothers came in handy. Well, you see, Mom would not always be able to get our names out right. It wasn't that she didn't know us. She just couldn't find the proper name at the moment that she needed it. And so if I had been leading the chase, she would often call out, Ron, Raymond, Ross, mm, David, stop it. Now, her inability to spit out our names readily came in handy uh, on occasions. If I had perhaps knocked over a plant or sent a porcelain cup crashing to the floor from one of the number of shelves or cabinets, which she had there, which would mean that I would be in big trouble, because by the time she got my name out, I could be half a block away. (laughs) But one thing we need never fear, whether we are in trouble or not, is that the Holy Spirit will somehow get our name confused. He knows who we are. He is intimately familiar with everything that is going on in our lives because He is all the time with us. However, many times we are the ones confused about who we are and where we are going. And so we sigh and groan and become anxious about all that about all that is happening in our lives, and we often feel powerless to do anything about it. Our limitations stare us down, and we become disillusioned about ever seeing any meaningful change. In our weariness, we are quick to forget that the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. So let me ask you, what area of your life will knowing that the Spirit is right alongside you help you with? How does embracing the presence of the Spirit lessen the weariness of waiting for you? When are you most likely to dictate to God the manner in which you want Him to act? What does this reveal about how you view God. Paul has hit on a profound truth here that needs to tightly grip us. He is informing us that God is personally active in our lives through His Spirit, that God has especially sent His Spirit to be our helper. And this help takes on a unique characteristic because the Holy Spirit helps us in our deepest needs by praying for us. Often in the midst of our struggles, we conclude that we must do more, that we must try harder, that we must pray more intently, that we must look on the brighter side. And it may be that this kind of approach can bring some relief. But for a deeper change to happen within us, I need a greater power than what doing more can provide. There are limits to what my efforts can accomplish. So here's a thought. When it comes to responding to what is overwhelming you, try softer, try less, try different. There is a fresh wind blowing to lift you up. The wind is the Holy Spirit. It is not you. You cannot push the wind. The wind must be allowed to carry you. Trying softer means focusing more on God's presence and promises than my own efforts. It means being more relaxed and less self-conscious, less pressured. When I try softer, I am less defensive, more open to direction. I learn better. I stay patient. I rely on the graciousness of God. I replace my anxiety with trust. Trying softer means taking the Spirit up on His divine service. The apostle identifies the work of the Spirit for our good with this statement. The Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Stop to think about this for a minute. I mean, prayer is not an on-your-own journey. It is not a do-it-yourself project. There is help for us when we pray. God the Holy Spirit enables us in our praying and when we can't think of what to say, he takes up our cause with words that we cannot express. He invites us to try softer. The message by Peterson translates the apostles' words in this way. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He, the Spirit, does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. There are times when I am praying that I find myself running out of the words to say. Sometimes the matter about which I am praying is just too huge for me to get my mind around, and words fail me in trying to express what what is deep inside me and my heart. And that's when I simply stop and invite the Holy Spirit to take up my concern. I ask him to search my heart and unpack my deep inner longings. I call on him to reveal any sin or attitude or disobedience that may be hindering my prayers. And then I rest in him to lead, to guide, to direct me according to God's purposes for my life. Now, to be totally honest with you, there are other times when I am praying that my mind goes in 101 different directions. I suffer from what might be called spiritual mindlessness. My mind drifts and I fail to remain focused and present in my praying. I find myself engaging in the luxury of daydreaming. This kind of spiritual mindlessness is not what the Apostle has in mind when he talks about the Holy Spirit praying on our behalf. I cannot expect the Holy Spirit to search my heart and take up my cause when I'm drifting off into la-la land. Prayer is a discipline, and we need to be serious about staying alert and focused when we pray. However, at those times when we are convinced our hearts are right with God, but we are stuck on how to proceed in our prayers, we are not helplessly alone. The Holy Spirit comes to our assistance by speaking prayers from our deepest sighs and aching groans that God understands. This becomes a great source of encouragement to us in our praying. Because as Paul goes on to point out, the Holy Spirit helps us in our deepest needs by praying for us according to God's will. Our insight into God's will is limited by our humanness. We just don't have the perspective on the big picture like God does. So in many situations, we are puzzled to know exactly how to pray and what to pray for. That's when the Holy Spirit becomes invaluable to us. He understands perfectly what God's will is, and therefore can pray on our behalf accordingly. And our Heavenly Father, who knows our hearts, hears and answers those prayers. And so the Apostle Paul writes... And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Our inability to pray as precisely as we would like is no hindrance to the working of God's perfect will in our lives. We may not know what to ask for in a given situation, but the Spirit does. And we can rely on him to work all things in keeping with God's will. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. As John Ortberg states, God's purpose and guidance is not to get us to perform the right actions. His purpose is to help us to become the right kind of people. Ultimately, God's will for us is to shape us and fit us with the character of Christ. We are not passive players in this process, but neither are we to shoulder the whole responsibility ourselves. The process of God's Spirit being released within you to do all that I have been talking about begins with a decision. A decision on your part to invite God to be the central personality in your life. This means asking Him to produce within you the kind of life that reflects His intentions, His priorities, His eternal perspective, and then trusting Him to work these things out in your life through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This may mean stepping into the uncertainties that you are currently facing with the firm confidence that God will not leave you helpless, but will take up your cause when words fail you in prayer and when others come up short in supporting you. Frank Laubach was a missionary to the Philippines. He has written a number of compositions on prayer that were published in a book entitled Letters by a Modern Mystic. He urged Christians to live lives of unceasing focus on God. He played what he called the game with minutes, in which he consciously attempted to turn his mind back to the Spirit of God every minute. In writing about how this effort to take his mind off of himself and let it linger on the presence of the Spirit of God within him, he stated this, It was as though some deep artesian well had been struck in my soul. Money, praise, poverty, opposition, these make no difference, for they will all alike be forgotten in a thousand years. But this spirit, this spirit which comes to a mind set upon continuous surrender, this spirit is timeless life. The truth of all that we have been considering takes on reality as you turn your mind toward the Spirit of God, giving Him your full attention and waiting before Him with expectant hearts. Learn to live in a conscious awareness of His presence. Grow in your anticipation of His engagement in your daily routines. Dwell upon the truth that He knows your name and everything about you. Rest in the security that he's praying for you with all wisdom and keeping with God's will. The wind of the Spirit is all around you. Don't push the wind. Let him lift you up. Soar on the wings of his prayers for you and learn to try softer. Let's pray. And so, Father we are wired (laughs) to try hard to do your will. And it comes, I think, from legitimate motives. We want to please you. We want to show that we are dedicated, devoted to you. And so we try and try and try. And so often it seems as if we're just spinning our wheels we're not getting anywhere and we we groan and we sigh and we are disappointed and frustrated perhaps and you understand all of that and you haven't left us in that plight to be alone to try to figure it out you have given to us your spirit that's why when Jesus was with his disciples, he said, don't, don't be sorry that I'm going. Because if I didn't go, the spirit wouldn't be released in power and presence as your help and comforter. So yes, it's hard to say goodbye, but learn to invite the spirit into your being. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to see this provision that you have made available to us and that we will delight in that, that we will delight in the reality that the Spirit is helping us in our deepest needs by praying for us with words that we cannot express in keeping with your will and that you see our hearts. You know the deepest longings we have, and you are able to meet us there. And so we just thank you and open ourselves up to you and to the fullness of your Spirit's presence in our daily activities, moment by moment, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So as we've been announcing, um, next Sunday we will be uh, commencing into a time of of solemn assembly. Solemn just simply means that that we kind of set aside all of the events and activities and things that grab our attention and we focus our mind on. We just kind of set them aside and, and take some time for some solitude. This psalm assembly, we're we're going to be focusing on um, gathering around the table. We just came through the Christmas season, and probably um, many of you had friends and family and all gather around your table, and you ate together and talked together and told stories and, and, and all. And so we want to bring that image into our Time And so next Sunday, you may have realized that this being the first Sunday of the month, we typically uh, partake of communion together. Uh, We have delayed it a a week, and uh, we will be doing that next Sunday in our morning service and then we 'll be continuing on the theme of the table as we uh, as we, in our Sunday evening and Monday and Tuesday evenings, talking about the the table in a way in which uh, affects us and, 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 and builds community as uh, followers of jesus and so we 'll be focusing on that on on, on sunday and then on, on monday we'll we 'll talk a little bit more about you know our our community but but as the, the New Testament uh, church, the early church, began to welcome people into their table gatherings, uh, we want to be receptive and, 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 and open to that. And then on Tuesday night, we want to look into how as we fulfill our, I, I was going to say 2020 vision, <laughs> but our, our, our vision for this new year. Being transformed by Jesus and transforming our communities, how can we act as guests at the tables of uh, people in our, in our community and, and, and serve them? And so we want to make that, you know, we're going to be listening to the Spirit of God as He kind of prompts us in this way. How do we build one another up in our own community? How do we make ourselves with open doors so that people uh, outside will be welcome in? And then how do we engage in our community in, in, in a way of serving, in a way of, of, of acting as guests in, uh, in, in our community? So we want to listen to the Spirit of God as he prompts us in, in these ways. And so, we really hope that you will make uh, it, it a priority in, in your schedules to come and join with us uh, here we We keep it to hour and a half two hours and uh, and, and, and then we go so uh, yeah, mark your calendars we We did you probably noticed we 've shifted solemn assembly a, a, a week just because we just felt with everything that was happening at the end of Christmas week and Christmas celebration and getting into the new year that, that uh, we just needed a little more time to uh, reflect and, and, and move forward. So, so we're starting next Sunday and uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So, um, yeah, we hope that you'll put that on your calendar and join with us. Would you stand with me? And now may this Spirit, this Spirit of God, whom Jesus said has been sent to us to be our helper, our comforter, to guide us and lead us into truth, may this Spirit so presence Himself with you today and throughout this week that you will thus learn to rest in Him. Try softer. Invite Him into your life's situations by the grace of God. Amen. Thank you. You You're dismissed.